Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. It's different for everyone. One thing is certain. Every day there's an opportunity for a win. Just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Everyday grab-and-go. Everyday giftable. Everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher High Roller Blackjack with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to a retailer near you. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16. Contracts. Salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. It's a NFL draft edition of Brandt's Rants. This podcast, as always, presented by betonline.ag. They're your online sportsbook experts, the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. You know the promo code PODCAST1, all caps. You receive that 50% sign-up bonus, betonline.ag. First, my rant about the draft. I am here on Friday the day after the first round. So a lot's going to happen. Only one-seventh of the draft is over, but it's the part that everyone talks about. So initial impressions on the first round. One is Kyler Murray displacing last year's first pick from the Cardinals, Josh Rosen. Stay tuned for a rant on that specifically. But a, And that's about Rosen. A word on Murray. You know, this guy, however you think of him, he came to the draft with as much leverage as any player in the last 20-something years because he has an option. Name another NFL draft pick that has an option to make this kind of money. And no one does. No one can walk into a Wall Street job or no one can walk into another sport except this guy. So unique talent, first guy ever drafted in both drafts. We'll see how he is on the field. You know, everyone's going to jump to he's too short, he's this and that. But then on the plus side, he's elusive, he's this, he's that. Who knows? But I just think this guy had unique leverage. And the idea that he didn't know or his agent didn't know that he was going to be the first pick, come on. I think from the moment, from the moment that Cliff Kingsbury not only got the job, but interviewed for the job, which was what, early January, he said to ownership, I'm going to get this job. If you, if I get this job, we're going to take this kid, number one, and he's going to play football for me rather than baseball for the Oakland A's. Now, kudos to the Cardinals for keeping this quiet for so long, but man, for those of you who don't think this was in the bag for a long time, come on, sell your bridge. I mean, this is ridiculous that people think the Cardinals were sort of weighing their options going into the draft. Of course they wanted him. Of course he knew. Of course his agent knew. Of course his family knew before they turned down baseball, before they turned their back on baseball. And as for baseball, listen, that door, from baseball's point of view, specifically the Oakland A's, that's not closed. That's not closed. So if he were not picked number one, and he had some kind of drop, even past four, past 10, past 15, of course, he'd go back to baseball. Why not? You know, Or he'd decide football's truly in his blood, even if he's going to make less than baseball. But baseball is standing there, sitting there, watching with open arms. Oakland A's and, and the sport in general. He would immediately become one of the most marketable players in baseball. Immediately. And he will do the same in football right away. But the business of football aspects to that trade and Josh Rosen, that's coming up soon. Other thoughts on the draft. Everyone's focusing on 
Daniel Jones being the pick of the Giants as high as number six. Uh, I know Daniel Jones and his family well. I advise them through the agent process. Uh, can't go too much into that right now, but I will at some point. And I was extremely impressed with the kid. Again, I'm not the scout guy. I'm not the guy, you know, doing how does he mechanics and all that. I'm the business guy, and I provided some business advice to Daniel Jones and his father. But the Giants go from number six. They had number 17 as well, the Odell Beckham pick. They decided that they didn't trust he'd be there at number 17. It remains to be seen. We'll never know, maybe, if another team would have taken him before 17. He's always going to be compared to Haskins, who went 15 to the Redskins, and those are the two first-round quarterbacks. Now, here's the deal of three thirds down along with Murray. I just think that, you know, who knows? That's the point here. Who knows? There seems to be universal negativity on Jones, which, as I tweeted out, means he's going to be great. And universal positivity on Haskins, which, of course, means he'll stink. (laughs) That's just the way it usually works out. Who knows on Daniel Jones? I just think these people need to wait and see. And speaking of waiting, you know, Gettleman, the Giants owner, is talking about, well, we may go to the Green Bay model, which I experienced so much with Ann Rodgers sitting three, three years. I say no way in hell. No way does Daniel Jones sit three years. I wonder if he even sits three games. Say Eli Manning is, is throwing interceptions the first couple games. Come on. He's not going to sit three games, three years. He's not going to sit one year. How many of the five teams that picked quarterbacks last year really, really sort of went in it saying the guy's going to play this year? None of them. And they all played. I mean, if you don't believe me, look at what they spent on placeholders. Uh, McCown in New York, $10 plus million placeholder for Darnold, Sam Bradford, another ridiculous signing in Arizona at quarterback, among their many, $15, $16 million over uh, as a placeholder for Rosen. Tyrod Taylor, $16 million placeholder for Baker Mayfield. This is what happens. So they're all playing, and they were all playing by late in the season, midseason even, except I think Lamar Jackson took a little longer. But it's going to happen here. It's going to happen with Haskins overtaking Case Keenum in Washington. And Daniel Jones will overtake Eli Manning at the latest a year from now, I think. And I would think a lot earlier than that, so Giants fans will have their immediate judgment, (laughs) which they seem to have already made, before that. Other thoughts on the first round. Uh, The trade-ups, I thought, with the Packers trading up to get uh, the 21 pick in Darnell Savage, the Eagles trading up to get Andre Dillard, it shows you, you know, these first-round move-ups are not as expensive as you may think. Now, I know it's later in the round, but Packers went up for two-fourths, and Eagles went up for a fourth and a sixth. It's not a lot. You know, that's not a lot at all. So it just shows you teams want to back out of there. They'll, they won't have to take too much. Even the the Steelers going from 20 to 10, uh... I forget what they gave up, but my initial reaction with that was good deal for the Steelers. They're not really giving up that much. So I think that's changing. Teams wanting to get out. Teams that come up are smarter. Um, teams have intel. I think Howie Roseman of the Eagles moving up to get Dillard ahead of the Texans. His intel told him that was going to happen, so he moved in front of him to get him. So those are initial thoughts on the first round of the NFL draft. Again, let's hold judgment on these quarterbacks 
you know, I don't know why people think Haskins will be great and Jones will be awful. I mean, that tends to tell me the opposite's going to happen. So we'll see. That's my rant uh, number one. I'm going to have three of them, so hold your hats. There's a saying most athletes abide by, play like you're in first, train like you're in second. So there's a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Sports Wars. You'll hear what happens when some of the most elite athletes take that phrase to heart and and battle their biggest rivals for a chance to go down in history. You got one of the one I know so well is in this. It's Brett Favre being challenged by Aaron Rodgers. You got Isaiah Thomas's beef with Michael Jordan. You got Rafa Nadal and Roger Federer, their battle for the greatest of all time. Make sure you listen to the end of this podcast. Your business of sports will end and then you'll hear a clip. Sports Wars, Sports Wars, excuse me, presented by Wondery. Subscribe to Sports Wars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Back to the rants. Let's go to what happened in Arizona and and sort of a continuation of this number one pick. Because now, and again, this this trade may happen tonight as I record this on Friday. Josh Rosen is expected to be moved elsewhere or not. But I just want to say that Josh Rosen now becomes, I think, the best bargain in the NFL and maybe the best bargain in the NFL for a lot of reasons for a lot of years because the Cardinals have made a stupid decision, stupid, from a business point of view. Now, you can argue about Murray and talent and Rosen and Rosen's no good, whatever. But from a business point of view, they've made a terrible decision adding, stacking to their bad business of football decisions at the quarterback position with players like Sam Bradford, $16 million last year for three games. Mike Lennon paid a lot of money. I don't even know if he played out there. <laughs> so now they have Rosen. So here's the way rookie contracts work. Rosen signed whatever, $18 million contract, 17 plus, but rookie contracts are bonus heavy where he got $11 million as a bonus. And guess who's responsible for that bonus? Even if it's not all paid out, it has deferrals. It's the Cardinals. The Cardinals may well trade a player they just gave $11 million to for however many games he played. That's a horrible decision. To move a top 10 pick after one year is a horrible decision from a business of football point of view. Talent-wise, Murray, you can make, you know, again, I'm not the scout guy. But to me, what a horrible decision. And more importantly, what a great value for the team that gets him. And I assume he will be traded, whether it's for a second, a third, or even less. They're going to get a player. Listen to this. Three years left, $6 million and change. $6 $6 million plus a team option, not a player option, a team option. You're going to get four years of Josh Rosen at incredible value. Think about having him for $2 million a year the next three years. $2 million a year the next three years. That's like getting a second round, drafting you know a low second round pick. And you got Josh Rosen 10 in the draft. So someone's going to get him. I assume he'll be a backup. And as a backup, even, he'll be the lowest paid backup in the NFL. Uh, a backup the lo- who's not on a rookie contract, who's not on kind of a low draft or rookie contract. Oh, my God. So Josh Rosen becomes an incredible value uh, for what the, what the Cardinals, uh, an incredible disvalue, if that is a r- word, for the Cardinals. 
Why would they do this? You tell me. Why would the Cardinals change coaches after one year? Why would they change quarterbacks after one year? It's just a mess out there. But this is what happens when you change staffs. And like I started the podcast, they interview Cliff Kingsbury. He says, cool, I'm going to run the spread offense. It's going to be exciting. And I got the quarterback. And then it becomes the Cardinals' decision. Do we want to hire the new coach and dump Rosen after paying him $11 million or not? And they decided to do that. So what a folly on the Cardinals' side from a business point of view. Again, everyone can debate the talent point of view. I assume Josh Rosen will be out of there. And my best guess is tonight he goes somewhere in the, for probably a thir- second round or third round if the new team is lucky. But that new team, regardless of what they give up draft-wise, getting incredible value. Incredible value. Okay, now let's go to another rant, and that is about the Chiefs. Listen, talent versus tolerance. Greater talent equals greater tolerance. That's what's happened around the league, uh, except for a good talent, good talent with the Chiefs named Kareem Hunt did not have enough tolerance because the video came out. And when you have video, you have visceral evidence, you have a firestorm, and the Chiefs acted immediately, just as the Ravens did when that video came out and got rid of them. Uh, Kareem Hunt gone. Talent didn't equal tolerance. Now we deal with a couple other issues. Number one, they acquire Frank Clark, and they acquire him for a heavy price, first-round pick plus a second-rounder next year, which is what they got for D. Ford, who was playing that position before. So obviously they thought Frank Clark was a lot better than D. Ford and paid a price for that. So the question now becomes what to do with Frank Clark from a uh, tolerance point of view. Well, he had a disturbing incident while he was in college. Disturbing. But not only have they acquired him from Seattle, but they've paid him a hundred something million dollars with 60 guaranteed. He's there for at least three years. Wow. Wow. So this is a team that got rid of Kareem Hunt because of domestic violence and acquires this guy for domestic violence with tremendous resources thrown into him. Tremendous. So here what we're talking about is a, I don't know. I mean, listen, that's the tolerance, and we're going to get to Tyreek Hill in a second. But, you know, one other thing about Frank Clark, the NFL will not discipline for pre-employment conduct. Employment starts the day of the draft, the day you're drafted. So contrast here, Ezekiel Elliott and Frank Clark, because Ezekiel Elliott was drafted in April, had the incident with the woman in June. Had he had that incident two months before in April, early April, he would not have been disciplined the six games by the NFL. It's just the timing of this. Frank Clark, of course, before he got into the NFL. But it's in his past. If there was a video, uh, you know, we'd probably be in a much different situation. That shouldn't be the case. But that's where we are. And the Chiefs have Frank Clark now, someone who's had issues as they got rid of Kareem Hunt. And segueing to Tyreek Hill, he's a game breaker. He's unique talent. He has special skill. He's got greater talent equals greater tolerance. Why they haven't done anything else. But on the eve of the draft, we hear tape tape of allegedly Tyree Kills saying, uh, threatening, admitting to punching his girlfriend or wife, or, I'm sorry, I think it's his girlfriend, uh, calling him out that he hit the kid, that he punched the kid in the chest, that the kid's terrified of him, and that Tariq Hill's saying, yes, and you should be, you, the, the woman, should be terrified of me as well. So this is awful. What we know now is that he's been told to stay away from off-season workouts. 
here's the thing. If he was an average player, he'd be long gone by now. He'd be cut immediately. He's not being cut. I think the Chiefs are trying to figure out the tolerance here. Uh, ultimately, my sense is they'll have to cut him. Uh, one of the great talents in the league, and of course he won't be out for very long. He'll get a suspension, just like Kareem Hunt, and someone will sign him. This is what happens, greater talent for greater tolerance. But the Chiefs, the Chiefs are having a bad look here. Bad look after cutting Kareem Hunt and being so no zero tolerance on that, again, video, and now paying huge money, going all in, doubling down on Frank Clark. And allegedly, they were negotiating with Tyree Kill. Obviously, that won't happen, but are they going to keep him? Everyone's going to watch him, and there's going to be huge calls for them to get rid of Tyree Kill. We'll see what happens. This will be fascinating to watch the Chiefs. Now, Andy Reid, I know well, and I love him, but he has allowed this. Uh, Andy Reid has allowed for players with questionable things going on in their life to be part of the team. When he was in Philadelphia, he had two players, Deshaun Jackson, early Deshaun Jackson, now he's matured, and LaShawn McCoy. They both got in some trouble, and I was consulting for the Eagles, so I know that they got in trouble. When Chip Kelly got to the Eagles, one of his first priorities was to move those guys because of character issues, and he did. Andy Reid tolerated it. Andy Reid tolerates that and tolerates some questionable character guys, as we've just seen, in Kansas City. So, again, some coaches will take more of it on than others. And Andy's been like that. That's a pattern. Doesn't mean anything negative about Andy Reid. He's a great coach and, in my opinion, one of the top five. So, here's where we are. The Chiefs have ascribed to talent equals tolerance, except for Kareem Hunt in the video. And now, and all in on Frank Clark, and now we wait and see on Tyreek Hill. Those are my rants on this special edition draft, NFL draft edition of the business of sports. Now, a final word from Bet Online. Even though March Madness is now over, the most exciting time of the year is happening NHL, NBA playoffs. Sign up for your free account on Bet Online. Use that promo code PODCAST1, your 50% welcome bonus. I'm all into these NBA playoff ma- matchups, watching the Clippers really go toe to toe with Golden State. I love the Sixers. What a show they are. Can Milwaukee get to the finals? Can Boston make a run? How far can Houston go? These are all things to watch. So get a bet online. Get in on the action. Use that promo code PODCAST1. You receive that 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Well, those have been my rants. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Business of Sports podcast. Thanks to producer extraordinaire, Brian Neal, really appreciate all of you. Follow me on Twitter. I've got all these nuggets out there, especially on the draft. At Andrew Brandt, Apple Podcast rankings and comments are really appreciated if you can give one. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found. It's the morning of June 2nd, 2005 in the Green Bay Packers cafeteria. Teammates who haven't seen each other all spring are cracking jokes and telling stories about their off-season vacations. It's like the first day of school. Only the kids are 300-pound men 
and school is Lambeau Field, the Packers' longtime home. The returning Packers won their division but lost in the playoffs last season. For this team, winning the division has become second nature. The main reason? Their iconic quarterback, Brett Favre. He's been the leader of this team for 13 seasons, starting 225 straight games. Let that sink in for a second. As the NFL's clear Ironman, he's played through injury and illness each year. He's also 35, at least two years older than all but one other guy on the squad, and closer in age to some of the coaches than some of his teammates. This is all to say, Favre is untouchable in Green Bay. Today, Brett Favre sits alone at the far end of the cafeteria, reading the local paper. At this back-to-school day, he's more like the principal than a student. Some gray stubble covers his strong jaw, a loose-fitting blend of camo and cargo shorts make up his wardrobe. He's, well, he's weathered. He's definitely not giving off a stop-by-for-some-small-talk kind of vibe. But a few of the other veterans stop by to talk about Favre's off-season fishing, and then they shuffle off. So nobody really notices when the rookie, Aaron Rodgers, walks into the cafeteria. If Rodgers has any butterflies, the dark-haired 21-year-old isn't showing it. He feels confident for a reason. He's a big-deal rookie quarterback from California. A couple months ago, the Packers took him in the first round of the NFL draft. A big deal because you don't waste a first-round pick on a guy you don't expect to play. As a kid, Rodgers loved watching Favre, even when that meant seeing his hometown 49ers lose to Green Bay like they did in the 1997 NFC Championship game. Rodgers has never seen Favre in person. He hasn't even heard from him since the draft, which is a little surprising. The rookie wasn't expecting to instantly become the legend's best friend, but he figured a quick, hey kid, welcome to the big time, sort of call might have come this spring. Nope. Rogers, once again, the new guy, walks the length of the room towards Favre to make the overdue introduction. For a moment, he pauses, tries to figure out the quote, right way to play it. Come on, this is Brett freaking Favre. It feels surreal to meet a living legend who does what you do. This is Eddie Murphy meeting Richard Pryor, Eminem meeting Dr. Dre. He's been a fan for years, and now he's supposed to be a teammate? It's awesome, but also weird. So yeah, the rookie QB's a little nervous, but there's no way he's going to show it. He can't be a punk on day one. He's got to be himself. Show he's not intimidated. Show he's already one of the guys. So Rogers makes eye contact and says in a booming, jovial tone, Good morning, Grandpa. Yeah, so the moment the words leave his mouth, Rogers knows his attempt at humor doesn't go over well, and so does everyone else around. Even Favre is at a loss for words. He's not sure if he should laugh it off or just knock him out. Grandpa? In his sleep, he could outdo this kid from Berkeley, and... Grandpa? Hell, he's forgotten more football games than this kid has even played. Grandpa, sorry, Brett Favre, who had been slowly flipping his way through the local paper just a minute ago, could suddenly feel that old competitive fire burning again. That was just a preview of Sports Wars. To hear the rest of the story, subscribe to Sports Wars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. 
If you love scratches from the Virginia Lottery, you'll love the high roller blackjack scratcher with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Look for it at your favorite Virginia Lottery retailer. In fact, you can drive there right now. Now that's an everyday win. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16.